Welcome to How to Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. Have you ever gone to Mass and wished that you were able to get more out of the liturgy? Have you ever walked out hoping you could have given more to God? On today's episode, we share five easy ways to help you not only give more, but to receive more at Mass. Along the way, we'll share why Kevin was hiding things at the Denver International Airport, and we'll give you a wedding gift present hack that won't be returned. Let's get started. Good morning on a rare morning podcast from the Cotter House. Well, it might not be morning for them. I feel like that's very selfish of us to just give our perspective. So good morning, afternoon, evening, and good night. Is that from the Truman Show? It I is. Th- nice. Yeah. Good touch. Yeah. Wherever you are, maybe it's the middle of the night and you can't sleep and you're listening to podcasts. Lisa, we failed to uphold our promise to our listeners this week. We did. Because, but, but there's a good reason. Yeah. So I had my Steubenville conference mm-hmm. at Steubenville main campus, which was fantastic. Yep. The team was so fun. A lot of fun. And then I flew in Sunday night and I found the key to the car hidden in the kiosk where the credit card applications are. Um, no, no. Well, it was really clear. It wasn't the key <laughs> to the car. <laughs> it, was, <laughs> it was the parking ticket. Because Kevin had driven there while I was on the plane, parked the car, but took the parking ticket. So he had to hide it. So I don't know what you usually do. You mean our listeners when you park at an airport, but I always take the parking ticket and I put it where my um, garage door opener is like every time. In the visor. And for whatever reason, I was super distracted. And so when I was going through the security line, I pulled out everything in my pockets and there it was, the parking ticket to pay for your parking and i was absolutely not excited but i was like oh i'm gonna meet up with lisa because lisa's flight was supposed to land at 6 10 mine wasn't supposed to take off until 6 45 i was like we have just enough window we can hand lisa this and then i got through security and saw that her her flight was about an hour delayed and i realized no 15 minutes no it was 45 it was over 45 minutes delayed really yeah oh and then i realized oh no i can't hand her this parking ticket like what am I going to do? So I hit it with the credit card applications. Yes. And I had to go on a hunt in DIA. It was like, it's outside of gate B41. Well, you're, inside yeah, you, the credit card kiosk in a yellow paper. You were supposed to be at B41 because your flight got delayed. They switched gates to like B18 and then you had to walk all the way across the terminal. It was fun. It was a big party. But so I came home from Steubenville and Kevin was literally, I flew in from Pittsburgh. Kevin was literally getting on a plane to go to Steubenville. That's right. Flying to Pittsburgh. Yep. So we were two airplanes passing in the night. Mm, Good work. That was really well done. Yes, but did not get to see each other. So then I realized when I got home, oh, we can't podcast because Kevin's not here. Yeah. I forgot about that detail. Yeah. And we intentionally didn't do the week before because... I had to get ready for conference and we had 
all kinds of family in town, back to back to back for like 12 days. We had family in town. That's Grandparents, right. cousins, grandmas. It was crazy. Anyways, here we are, and we've got a great episode today, How to Mass. Mm-hmm. And this isn't explaining like the mass liturgy. This is how do you get, like how do you be receptive to mass? How do you receive as many graces as you can for mass? Yep. So, Kevin. Well, sticking with the airport theme. Yeah. On my way home from the airport, I took an Uber. And on that Uber drive... It's always interesting, like, how much you talk to your Uber driver and how much they talk to, to you. But my Uber driver, she was excited to talk, and she really liked to hear what people did for their work. That's like, was her thing. And so she was talking to me about the amazing parish, and she started asking some really interesting questions. She would say things like, would, do anybody even go to church anymore? Or like, who are you working with? And, and like, these churches, like, aren't they empty? And it was like, really interesting line of questioning. And I was like, no, they're there are people that still go to church and there's still Catholics that like go to mass. And, and so I just asked her, it's one of my favorite questions when I'm talking to people, I just say, what's your faith background? It's a very neutral question when you're evangelizing. People don't feel like attacked or you don't say like, do you, are you a Christian? Yeah. Or like, do you go to church? Like that sounds like, you know, so I just say, what's your faith background? She said, Oh, I grew up Catholic and, um, she grew up in Africa and she had a very strict Catholic background. And, um, it was just interesting as we were talking, cause she said over time, like, I just didn't, for her, she said, I didn't feel any purpose in going to the Mass. Like, I didn't understand it. And I told her a phrase that uh, is often used in focus, which is rules without relationship equals rebellion. I was going to finish it, but uh, you, wa- you were too fast. I didn't I didn't. Can we try that. it again? Do yeah. it again. Rules without relationship. Equals rebellion. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that one. <laughs> you wanted to finish it that badly? I did. So, um, and I said, totally, like... If the mass, if that like isn't Jesus in the Eucharist, like you're right, like that's a really boring experience, you know. Like that's there's no reason to go. Like it's just the same thing each time, and and what's the point of that, basically, you know? And she's like, yeah. And I was like, but if that is actually Jesus, like if that's Jesus's body and blood, soul and divinity, like present to us, like there's no better place to be, and that's why you know that's why I go because for a while, yeah, like. That w- that's what it was to me. Like it wasn't a relationship. It was just a rule. It's just something you did. But now like I really experienced that. And so um, got to invite her to our parish. She actually ended up living near our parish. So uh, we'll see, say prayer for her, just for her to come back to mass. She hasn't, she's been away for uh, about 16 years. And, uh, but she was very willing to try. She was like, I'd be happy to try and check it out. So that was really cool to see. And um, I think it's all about that relationship. So as we just Think about the vision for the Mass. It's really um, thinking about how do I engage in that relationship. And we talked about this in a previous episode. We talked through Scripture and covenants, this whole idea of what a covenant is with a relationship with God. That would be the Salvation History series. That's right. Um, and and this, this idea that um, God's relationship with us is this idea that God gives Himself fully to us, right? Like we see that very clearly, Jesus dying on the cross, um, you know, God sending his only son, this amazing gift to us. Uh, he really opens himself up to, in, in gift. And in return, our job is to, to respond in a similar way, to actually give ourselves. And that's this whole idea of a covenant, is that two parties fully give of themselves um, in, in that covenant. And at the Mass, which I love, it's like a um, renewal, and it's a living out of that covenant, and a living out of Scripture and saying, all right, Lord, like, I'm experiencing you fully in this Mass as you give yourself to us 
in the Eucharist, and in turn, with my own body and with my own heart and mind, I'm going to give myself to you as well. And uh, I think that's just a great place to start off the podcast and start off thinking about the Mass, is how do I do that thing really well? Like this whole covenant thing. Like how do I do this relationship well? Because if it's just about me learning more about um, Scripture, which is good, or if it's just me about like I know the Mass parts better, which are good, but all those things should lead to that covenant and that relationship, um, because that's that's why we're there. That's why we're engaging the Mass, so we can give ourselves again to our Lord. And receive our Lord. Yes. It's like this cycle of giving and receiving, giving mm-hmm. and receiving, mm-hmm. which is how a relationship of love works. And so we're going to be talking about ways to be more receptive at Mass, which in turn allows you to give more at Mass. Yeah, 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 absolutely. Yeah, so and this isn't going to be a comprehensive list. I mean, there's so much we could talk about with the Mass. There's a whole video series out there on the Mass. There's whole books out there. But we want to look at some practical things, some very practical things you can do to just put yourself in a disposition to be able to give better and receive better. So we've got five ways, and the first one is arrive early. Oh, that's a hard one. We started off hard. (laughs) Really hard. (laughs) That's true. For some people. Some people it's easier, but we're not, as Catholics, we're not always very good at arriving arriving early. Yeah. It's like mentally it's not hard to like do that, but physically it is. But this is important to do because it gives you time to calm your mind and to focus and like prepare to enter into the mass. Because if you're rushing to try to get there or find a parking spot or find a seat, then you sit down it's like they're already doing the opening prayers and you're kind of frazzled. So plan to get there at least 10 minutes early. And then if you get there five minutes early, it's a win. And what you do during that time. And I remember when I was a kid, you know, you show up to mass and everyone kneels and then they sit down and I didn't understand why we were doing that. Nobody told me (laughs) what I was supposed to be doing. So I just thought it was like, like you genuflect longer or something. I didn't quite understand, but that's the time where you pray before mass. You can ask the Holy Spirit to allow you to be receptive and to be, have the grace to give during that mass. And just to, just to put yourself in that mind frame of like, here I am, Lord, here I am. What do you have for me? What can I give to you right there at the beginning of mass? So that's, that's easy way. Number one. Yeah. Arrive early. And I feel like it's a great time to just say, where am I at my relationship with you? Like a gut check, like what stopped me this week and what, what do I need? And, and really, yeah, opening up that reception, like you're saying, is huge. Great. All right, so that's number one. Kevin, why don't you give us number two? Number two, I think a lot of times when people think of the Mass and they think of Jesus, they say, oh, I'm going to, you know, the Eucharist, which is obviously the source and summit of our faith. But we also, you know, God is revealed through Scripture through God's word, like Jesus is the word made flesh. And so we actually encounter Jesus through the readings. And there's some great ways to to do that and to prepare ourselves for mass so that we can experience and receive that grace from him. And so the first thing we'd recommend is just familiarizing yourself with the readings. Uh, I know of families that read the gospel together in the car on the way to mass. This is a great way to think and have heard the the, the reading before, you can do Lexio and just having some prayer time. Even throughout the week, some people just, you could pray with that same scripture for seven times and really dive in. And Lexio is just meditative prayer on the scripture. So mm-hmm. you read it through once just to comprehend it. Yep. And then you read it through again more slowly to see what stands out. Yeah. And that's kind of the process. And what's crazy about this is I'm not very good at doing this every Sunday, mm-hmm. but you know who is? I don't know. Oh, I yes, do Yes, you do. Yeah. Our 12-year-old daughter. 
Mm-hmm. It was part of her school assignment in her theology classes. They had to do Lexio on the Sunday gospel each week. And she continues to do it, I'm pretty sure. She's really good at She's it. She's super faithful with her prayer life. It's she has an unbelievable prayer life. Like her her prayer life crushes mine. She's so good at it. Um but just that I love that they were teaching the kids that from the beginning. They had to do Lexio with the Sunday reading. Yeah. Just to get more connected with it. Yeah, and I think it's so great to see like what does stick out, like what does impact me, what made sense for my week and my life, and to really see it in the context of that. You know, if you just have it at mass, sometimes it remains isolated at mass. But if you're praying about it before and thinking about it after, then it's you start to see how it it can spill over into the other parts of your life. So that's really huge. Other thing that's important to to realize with the readings, and this is one of those simple things I feel like of Catholicism that is there but is often not explained. It's just... It's forgotten. Yeah, like how do the readings even fit together? And so it's important to realize that the first reading, which usually comes from the Old Testament, is almost always connected to the gospel, and those are reflected. And so usually uh, the first reading, that Old Testament reading, is is seeing how the gospel is foreshadowed or um, prophesied, or whatever it might be, the connection... Uh, with the gospel. And so it's good to see that. The second reading usually happens from the New Testament. It's actually not connected, just another piece. Sometimes it it relates, but other times it can be... Yeah, sometimes it's like the theme is mm-hmm. there. Or other times you're just going through certain letters. Uh, and then the psalm uh, usually connects that first reading and the gospel, the theme, and kind of gives you like, and it kind of a short phrase even, what everything's all about. And so I think just knowing that connection is really huge as you prepare you're experiencing the Word of God, you're being receptive to what God wants to do and how it connects to your life is just knowing how those fit together. Yeah. So I think if nothing else, at least read the refrain of the Psalms so you understand the heart of that week's liturgy of the Word. It's like, the Lord is kind and merciful. Okay. So today it's going to be about mercy Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. Um, And I think that's, yeah, that's like the bare minimum, like just quickly. If nothing else. And I think if you read beforehand, you'll realize what that psalm is. Because sometimes uh, you can you can sub in a different psalm. Like I know certain parishes I'd go to, it's like, we sing the same five psalms every time because they just that's what they like to do. But there's a an intentional psalm that's supposed to connect those readings. And so sometimes, yeah, it's good to read beforehand because you know like, oh, that's the psalm that the church chose, like universal church chose, but then my parish chose to use this psalm. Okay, well, at least I know the original connection piece. Mm-hmm. All right. It's time for our Catholic hack. Catholic hack. I feel and like I need like a, some type of sound effect there. I know. We'll we need a button. That. We've, we've Catholic hack. <laughs> That's why I know. I don't know why we think of it that way. <laughs> As if it's like a car dealership with a sale. Um, no, the hack for this week is a wedding hack. For those who are getting married, it's a wedding gift hack, I should say. And that is to buy a chalice for the wedding couple. This is a very unique hack. It is. Very unique hack. But let, hear us out. Okay. So for our wedding, Kevin's parents bought us a chalice. And then they gave it to the priest uh, who was celebrating the Mass. And during the Eucharistic prayers is when we found out that we were being gifted with a, like a family chalice. And so he said, he announced like right before the Eucharistic prayers, I have a special chalice today. It was bought by Kevin's parents as a gift to Kevin and Lisa for their wedding. And so we use that chalice at our wedding mass. And then we've been able to use it later in life at our kids' sacraments. So um, for example, when Grace was baptized, it was in the context of mass and we brought the chalice and the priest used that chalice during her baptismal mass. 
or another time might be um, if we've had home masses, which we've been blessed to be able to do a few times at our house, we'll have mass several times actually, and we use our family chalice for mass at home. So it's a really cool thing to have. It's displayed prominently in our, um, what do you call that thing? In the yeah, I know in the dining room. Yeah, <laughs> it's like in your dining room. Hutch, in the hutch. Yeah. It's in the hutch. But um, it's like the thing above the hutch. It's like the display part of the hutch. Yeah, in the the hutch part. Anyways, it's there. And obviously, we don't ever use it for anything else. If you were to get a mass <laughs> chalice, you don't like... It's sacred. Well, and some people have like Lord's Day where they'll do at their house like a, these prayers. Oh, yeah. But And you pass a cup, and but you would never use a chalice for that, like a sacred consecrated Vessel. chalice. Yeah. Vessel, yes. So it's just a really neat thing for us to have as a family and a way to tie together our liturgical life and our sacramental life. So yes, they're expensive because they have to be made out of precious metal. But if you have friends who are getting married, this could be a really cool thing to all go in together and buy them a chalice and present at their mass. Or if your kids are getting married, this is a really cool present to give. I hope one day to be able to give this gift to our kids and your parents actually got a chalice from their parents for their mass unfortunately theirs was made out of ceramic (laughs) i wasn't going to mention that (laughs) because it was the 70s when they got married and you know the 70s did some weird stuff so it's no longer a sanctioned chalice but um also when people come over to your house and ask you about it you can say that you possess the holy grail which is what i did last night was a joke (laughs) which is why i remembered this hack yeah, that was so great. So there you go. That's the hack. Go get yourself or get someone a chalice for their wedding. Catholic hacks. Catholic. <laughs> Outro See, music. We don't need a button. You can just write down the cues on the notes there. And now it's time for the liturgical lowdown. That's right. Okay, so I just finished a year of liturgical lowdowns. And congratulations, by the way. That's impressive. Thank you. Thank you. So you're welcome. What we decided moving forward is instead of doing a monthly liturgical lowdown, from here on out, I'm going to share one upcoming feast day during each episode. So I, you can already go back and you can listen to all of the year. So July, you can just go back and listen to July that I did last year because it's liturgical year. It's cyclical. It's not going to change. But I still wanted to give some liturgical lowdown here in the podcast because you all enjoyed that so much. I got a ton of feedback about how much people loved the liturgical lowdown. So coming up, not this week because you can still listen to June. So if you want, the upcoming feast day would be Saints Peter and Paul, which is on June 29th. I have all kinds of books, videos, um, ways to celebrate food, all that kind of stuff on the liturgical lowdown. So you can learn about there, but I will be sharing those coming up in future episodes. We'll spend about five minutes each week talking about something in the liturgical year. So there you have it. That's how we're going to do it. Sweet. We good? We're good. Okay. Back to our list of five easy ways to be receptive and to give at Mass. Number three, Kevin, what do we have? Number three is bring a Mass journal. And I think it goes back to the vision of this whole podcast, which is a great uh, place to start after doing the hack and the lowdown. It's just return to what we're doing here. It's trying to live out our relationship with Jesus through the Mass and trying to be receptive to the grace at mass. And so it's this whole idea is if if God is going to show up at the mass, because we know he will, and we need to be receptive to that grace, wouldn't you want to have something to capture that experience? Like if God's going to speak to you, if God's going to work, if God's going to move you, if this is the encounter that you're supposed to have each week, 
when you want to write that down? And that's where the mass journal comes in. And this idea of just, is there something that stands out in the homily or in the song or your prayer beforehand, or who knows, you know, something that somebody said afterwards to have that journal so you can write that down and remember what God's doing in your life and how he's speaking to you. Cause he, he's going to speak to us if we're receptive. The question is what we're going to do with that. I think the mass journal helps us do that really well. It's a neat thing to be able to look back on totally. and see how God worked. And because, again, the liturgical year is cyclical, mm-hmm. we have cycle A, B, and C, you could even go back and look. Oh, wow. What was I thinking three years ago on this Sunday if you were a faithful master? That's a very Lisa thought. Yeah. <laughs> I like that kind of stuff. <laughs> That's great. But I've been journaling more lately, and it's been really helpful for me. And I'm like, great, let's journal it up. Journal it up. Yep. It's great. All right. Number three. Now, way number four. Now into number four. Now, now into number four. Yes. Number four is to offer up your mass. And there are two ways you can do this. The first way is a way that I learned from my, uh, maybe maybe not offer up, but offer. We'll say it that way. Offer the mass is when we get to the, lit- the liturgy of the Eucharist, there's kind of that transition time. I always feel like that song is like our transition time after the homily and the gifts are brought up. So when the gifts are brought up, my spiritual director has always taught me that at that time, if there's anything that I need to give to Jesus, I need to put it with those gifts and visualize it going down the aisle up to the altar to Jesus to be united with him in his suffering. So whatever it is that's weighing or whatever it is that's difficult or hard, that's the time that you offer it to Jesus. So that's the first offering that goes on during that time. The second thing that we want to make sure to not forget to offer is to offer up our Mass, our, the intention of the Mass, for somebody, which is this thing that we do as Catholics, which can kind of seem weird, like, oh, you're going to offer that up for them? But there's this mystical, you know, we are the body of Christ, and so... When one person's suffering, we all suffer. So like you can then offer for them your suffering to help alleviate their suffering or or whatever it is, the graces from your mass, you can offer them because we are one body for that person. So you always want to think about who can I offer this mass for? Who is struggling? Who needs help? Or maybe it's a situation that involves a lot of people and you just like, I'm going to offer my mass up for the country because it's divided and messy right now, mm-hmm. whatever it is, but don't ever waste that because God gives you that opportunity to strengthen the body of Christ by offering up those graces. So That's two funny. offerings, one for yourself and one for somebody or something else. Don't forget it. It's good. All right. Number five. We are on to number five, which is to stay a few minutes late to pray after mass. So, the whole idea here, just a little vision, is you know we're going to receive Eucharist from our Lord. He's actually going to be present in our bodies. People do like scientific studies, and they're like, Jesus will be in your body for 15 minutes. Like that's he's going to be present there. Um, and so this whole idea, and which I love that, like really 15 minutes. Like <laughs> where did we come up with that? Well, I think just like before your body absorbs the Eucharist into itself, like scientifically, yeah, yeah scientifically, and so. Um, People even do uh, interesting things like they'll add up the number of daily masses they go to and see if they can have Jesus present inside of them the same amount that Mary had Jesus inside of them. Right, for nine months. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyways, that gets really technical, but uh, interesting enough to share. And so this idea after <laughs> Mass that when Mass concludes, like that 15 minutes, unless you just have really long announcements, uh, 
Jesus is still present. And so it's this idea of like, I'm having communion with the Lord. This is the most sacred part of my week because Christ is still present inside of me um, in a very real way through the, you know, through the Eucharist. So this is the best time to talk to Jesus and to take that time. And I think when we were, you know, in college or right after college, like that was a great moment of prayer for us. Um, but then we, there's this thing that happens um, that makes it harder, and that's children. Because mm-hmm. all of a sudden you can't just sit there and pray silently. And for a while you like pass and the rest baby. rest in the Lord. Yeah. You're like, there's no resting. Somebody's crawling across my lap. Correct. And then for a while you like pass the baby, but then you're like, we need to go home and for the nap. Like it just gets really messy. And so um, we were really inspired, I think originally by uh, Curtis and Michael and Martin, just to watch their family pray after mass. Like, oh, it doesn't just have to be you by yourself. Like as a family, you can say family prayers and have that moment and to experience as a family and to say, this is a sacred time um, with our Lord, but it's also a sacred time together. And so that's really what we have a tradition of um, of, of saying prayers after Mass. And so uh, we say the St. Michael the Archangel prayer, uh, Sacrament Most Holy prayer, and then the Glory Be. And we just do a, a litany of our family saints uh, after as well. And um, just a reminder, like, hey, you're named after saints, and that's who we're going to intercede for. And uh make sure we're doing that at least once a week. Yeah, it's cute because Grace will point at everybody when it's time for their saint, their saint name. She's like, tap on you. Just so you know, uh, it's your turn. And she was always first. We always went youngest to oldest. So then we had Isaac and she's like, no, I'm first. You're like, no, the youngest is now first. You've been ousted in the litany order. Yep. Sad day. Sad, sad day. Okay, so I think it's worth explaining why the St. Michael prayer. Yeah. Where did that come from? So... There's a tradition behind this of praying the St. Michael the Archangel prayer after Mass. And it starts back in the 1880s. Pope Leo XIII had a vision of demonic spirits gathering around Rome one day while he was celebrating Mass. And so afterwards, because of this vision, he wrote this prayer to St. Michael the Archangel. And there's kind of this legend that goes with it that with this vision, there was a conversation that he saw between Jesus and the devil, and the devil was requesting an increase in power for 75 to 100 years, which means that would have ended like in the 1980s. Um, But that is just a legend. Like there's no documentation of that. He doesn't write that down himself. He doesn't, he didn't tell anybody. Like there are people who he told about the vision and they'll recount what he told them. But there was no inclusion of this this prayer. Or not this prayer, this conversation. Gotta love Catholic legends. Yeah. So so just so you know. Um interesting. You know, there's there's all kinds of I feel like conspiracy theories around it and like it's the springtime of faith because those hundred years are up. And it's like, okay, well, JP two, I yeah. anyway. Yeah, anyway. Anyways, there's all kinds of things you could say about that. But this the the fact is is that there's no hard proof that that happened. So Maybe it did, I, but nobody. Anyways, it's not documented like that. Okay, so because of this, and then in nineteen, or, sorry, eighteen eighty four, he instituted these prayers to be prayed after low mass, which is a non solemn mass, so not a solemnity, not Sunday. And they've been they'd become to be known as the Leonine prayers because it was Pope Leo who instated this. So these prayers were a couple of Marian prayers, like the Hail Mary, the Salve, and then some like prayers that had like responses to them, um, saying, Most sacred heart of Jesus, have mercy on us three time, 
three times, and then this St. Michael, the Archangel prayer that he wrote after this vision. And so for years, this is what the church did. And it often was changing the intention for these prayers or the intention for why we're praying this St. Michael, the Archangel prayer. For a while, it was tension going on in in Rome. For another time, it was Russia. It just kind of changed based upon whatever world crisis was going on. And then post-Vatican II or around Vatican II, for whatever reason, on March 7th, 1965, there was a declaration that went out that simply said, the Leonine prayers are suppressed. And the church was asked to stop praying them. And it was just like, we're done. We're not praying these anymore. And so popular piety, I guess you would call it, has just resurrected these over the last probably 15 to 20 years, people have begun to pray this again. You'll even see some parishes that always pray the same Michael the Archangel prayer after Mass as a community. Our diocese has told each parish to pray the St. Michael the Archangel prayer after Mass because of the things going on in our church. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So different dioceses may have resurrected it, but it really started just kind of as a lay movement, I think, of just yeah. laity finding out and realizing we should probably still be praying that. Like things aren't better because. Vatican II happened or something, you know? So that is where that came from. We're not against Vatican II, by the way. No. But yes. it's just good to keep praying St. Michael the Archangel prayer. Yes. There was a lot of good that came out of Vatican II. There's a lot of misinterpretations that came out of Vatican II. That's the bad. Yeah. But the documents themselves are not bad. So um, it was the interpretations. Okay. So St. Michael the Archangel prayer, you'll, you'll see people praying it. And that is something then that we have prayed as a family and is, I think, a beautiful thing to pray because we always need protection against evil. Absolutely. So there it is. And that leads right into our how-to challenge as we close out our show. It's going to be to pray that St. Michael the Archangel prayer. So all these different things you can do at Mass. We love to get really practical, pick out one of these things. I think the St. Michael the Archangel prayer is just a great one to like remind yourself. Even just that moment after Mass, just to take a little bit more time, I think just helps you realize like there's a moment of grace here and I need to be more receptive to it. And uh, that can help you do just that. There you go. That's our show for today. Our morning show. Wow. Yeah. Thank you for listening in. If you want to connect with us, our email is hello at made to magnify.com. Or you can find us on Twitter and Instagram. Kevin's at Kevin R. Cotter. I am at Lisa Ann Cutter. That's Ann with no E. As always, if you enjoy the show, please give it a rating on iTunes, add it to your podcast subscriptions and tell a friend. These things help get the word out about how to Catholic. Until next week, be saints. It's worth it.